0: So it was that moment that I, that I actually separated God from people, and I was like, okay, well, God's telling me one thing, and people are telling me another thing. Who am I going to listen to? I'm going to listen to God.
1: Welcome to The Babel Podcast. I'm your host, Paige Brees, and I am so happy to have you here for some raw and real conversation. People say you should never discuss politics, money, or religion. Well, not here. This is a safe space to dive deep into how religion as a whole has affected our hearts, our minds, and our world. (laughs) The good, the bad, and the ugly. We all have a seat at the table and I invite you to sit with me as I talk with religious leaders, experts, and friends alike So without further ado, let's babble. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Babble Podcast. So happy to have you here today. I have with me Mason Stolle. Mason has over 10 years of Christian ministry experience. Um, He's currently on the leadership team for the Historic Church historic church in Dallas. Wow. That's harder to say than I thought it was Historic <laughs> church in Dallas. <laughs> um, and Mason is also a lifelong friend of mine. We were just reminiscing a, a minute ago about how we met back in 2005 playing little child actors in a play called treasure Island. Um, and that was 16 years ago, which is absolutely insane. A, a very
0: they- condensed version of that play.
1: Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. I've, I've
0: reread <laughs> the book since then, and it's a lot wilder than what we did. So,
1: <laughs> Well, there's only so much that fifth graders can comprehend, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, we did our best, you know, we did what we could. Uh, but yeah, since, since 2005, Mason has gone through an incredible life journey. Um, and we're going to talk about that today, um, not just in you know, general life, but also through ministry and the combination of the two. And um, his story is just fantastic. Um, part of that story being that he attended Hillsong College in Sydney, Australia, um, which was very exciting for him at the time, but then you were kicked out because you were queer. Um, yep. And that is obviously a, a huge, a huge topic that we're going to touch on today. Um, so Mason, thank you so much for being here.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, if, if you could just, I feel like most people who know Hillsong, like anyone in the Christian sphere who thinks of Hillsong, they think of like, oh, the people who sing Oceans and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Can you explain a little yeah. bit more what the Hillsong College is for people who might not know what that is?
0: Yeah, so Hillsong is, um, they are the biggest church in the world. Um I, I compare it often to, like, I mean, the Catholic Church is way bigger, obviously, than Hillsong will ever be. But, like, in comparison, like, the, the amount of, of clout and, like, influence that Hillsong has, uh, it's, it's comparable to the Catholic Church. Because, like, you go, you walk into almost any non-denominational or, like, progressive church, and they'll probably be singing a Hillsong song for the worship service, uh, if not their entire set. and so they they are a church that's based in sydney um they have i think like over 130 locations globally um and they have now they have two college campuses one at the uh at the sydney headquarters and one in phoenix uh so i went to the sydney one because it was before they opened the phoenix one um Mm -hmm. and yeah uh, i got kicked out (laughs) Um, which I I can laugh about now, but at the time it was it was absolutely an awful experience.
1: Yeah, no, um, I can imagine.
0: Yeah, so I I learned about their college um, probably my junior or senior year of high school, and the moment I learned about it, I wanted to I wanted to be there because I originally wanted to be a worship leader when I grew up, for lack of a better term, <laughs> um, and so I thought that like that would be the best place to go. Like that, that would be like the Harvard of, of like ministry school basically Mm. is to go and study at at Hillsong and learn from, from the people that are, you know, famous for being in the band or famous for being pastors there, go and learn from them. That would be the most incredible experience. So I started preparing. um, I started preparing to go probably in like 2013. uh, And then I finally did go in uh July of 2016 is when I started uh I moved out there and then I started classes I was only in classes for like a week before I got kicked out
1: what really
0: (laughs) yeah so before before they uh accept you part of the application process is that you uh you fill out this thing um saying like have you had any moral failings and they define moral failings as like drinking, smoking, having sex with someone you're not married to, all these different kinds of things. Um, and I, I had actually been watching the application for a couple of years before I decided to do it because in the student code of conduct, it used to say among like the different sexual sins, uh, homosexuality was included in that. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I wasn't out as trans yet. I was, I was uh, living as a as a woman, and I was, I identified as a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I noticed at one point they took that word out. And so I was like, oh, they must be okay. Like, I, I am going to be safe there. I can, I can apply. I can get accepted. I can go, like, live my dream. And mm-hmm. so that was when I applied, was after they had removed that word from their student code of conduct. Um, and they also ask you for a pastoral reference. And so I had my pastor send one and and he knew about me we had a very close relationship for a long time um and I didn't know what he wrote in Mm. in his letter uh he because he just had to send it off directly to them I didn't I didn't get to see it and so I thought that like I thought that he told them like in a good way not not in a way of like um I don't know how to word it but like not in a way of being like oh you shouldn't accept Mm. uh it wasn't a warning like
1: you didn't you didn't yeah warning or anything
0: yeah it wasn't a warning he i if he had told them i thought that he would have said that like this is a part of them um but it is not in any way a detriment to their leadership it's not going to affect them at all like Mm -hmm. i highly recommend this person um and so i got accepted and so because i got accepted because they took that because they took homosexuality out of the thing i thought i was good um, and so I actually moved there with my wife. We were dating at the time. Uh, she went with me. We lived in off-campus housing together, and um, we decided to get engaged because we thought it would be a better look if like, yeah, sure, I'm living with with a partner that I'm not married to, but at least we're engaged. At least mm-hmm. we are planning on getting married. We have this commitment. we're just not able to right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the first week started, and they, they went over the the moral failings list again with us, and so we have to answer those questions again. Uh, and so they were like, they wanted they wanted you to be honest, and so they said that if you're honest, if you've had a moral failing, it's not an automatic kick out, but we want we want you to be honest because we want you to, we want to know how we can help you. We want to know how, like, if you need pastoral care for any reason, we want to know, like, what you're, what you're struggling with and how we can support you. Mm-hmm. So I was honest. I told them that, uh, that I've had sex with somebody that I'm not married to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I had a second interview where I had to speak with a person specifically about, like, about these things, like the details of it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm in that meeting, And she goes, okay. Well, tell me about like, tell me about this. And so I was like, okay. Well, I'm living with my partner. We're not married. Um, And I said, I said, fiance because we just got engaged. And she goes, oh, what is he doing? And I was like, oh, well, (laughs) she. (laughs) And then she kind of like, she kind of sighed and took her glasses off and was like, okay. Well, now we have two problems. And I was like, oh no. And so she said that. The the church's policy on homosexuality is that everybody is welcome, but uh, people who are LGBT are barred from leadership. So everybody can go to church, everybody can serve on teams, but LGBT people are not allowed to be leaders, basically. Um, And so since Hillsong College is a leadership college, I am automatically no longer eligible to be there Mm. so that's uh so i got kicked out and i i asked like i was like i thought that my pastor told you guys and she was like well if he did he he must not have because we went through all the applications you wouldn't have even gotten accepted if we had known and so then i was like well he didn't tell them so I was so I was so confused. And then like two years later, I finally like went back to Texas and visited him and told him everything that happened. And he I've never heard him cuss before. Am I allowed to cuss? Yeah, of course, please. OK, all right. I, he, I've never heard him cuss before, but he, he looked me in the eye and he said, that's bullshit because mm-hmm. I wrote an entire extra page about you and about all this stuff. And saying that, regardless, I highly recommend you still. So they must have not even read my application. And they just accepted me anyway. So that was a lot for me to unpack.
1: Uh Yeah. I mean, there's so much to unpack there, period, before they even. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mason, that's horrible.
0: Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I mean, that's the biggest part of my deconstruction is, like, just going back through everything that happened to me in Sydney, because like I was still there for a year. I transferred to uh, a partner college that they, that they worked closely with that didn't care. Um, mm. And I honestly, I just like, I was living in fear because I was just so afraid of like, what else could I lose? Like, could mm-hmm. I get kicked out of this one? Could I, could I not be allowed to serve at Hillsong anymore? Like I, I just felt so isolated yeah. And and they made me they made me feel like this, I was the only person this had ever happened to, which was the worst part. Mm-hmm. Especially like recently, I've learned that I'm I'm absolutely not, and I found a lot of people that have been through similar things with them, mm-hmm. and like I now I I feel that I'm lucky that I was only there for a week. Some of those people that I've met can like didn't get kicked out, like the the church didn't know necessarily enough details about them to have kicked them out at the time, but they suffered their whole one, two or three years that they were there. And I feel so badly for those people.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I can't imagine what it's like to be in an environment, in a space that tells you that they're supporting you and that they're there to hold you high and to, you know, make you, um, you know, a, a leadership in ministry but mm-hmm. to also know that you can't express yourself fully to this community that says they love you no matter what. Um, yeah. Like I, I have, I, I can't say that I know what that's like, but it sounds like it's absolutely devastating to go through that for years, years at a time.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that I was only there for a brief amount of time, because if I had, if I had been fully immersed in it for like, like how I wanted to be, like how I dreamed of being, I don't know what, I don't know where I would have been. I don't know Mm -hmm. what would have happened.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, man, so how grueling is the application process? Like you said, you you started preparing to go there in like 2013 and then started in 2016. So was it just a meeting period or what?
0: No, it's actually, it was actually very easy. I was so surprised when I got my acceptance because I, Applied and then uh, my pastor sent in his recommendation and like three or four days after they got his letter, I got an email saying I was accepted. So it wasn't the application process that took that long. It was that like I was saving up money, I was like mentally mm-hmm. preparing myself to go. Mm-hmm. I I was in college before and so I was finishing that uh, that degree program and then I was planning on going afterwards. It. So it, it was more my choice that that took so long than mm-hmm. than the actual. <laughs> waiting on them or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, wow. Yeah. Just the fact that you just said that they only took three or four days to read your application.
0: Yeah, I know. And like now, now knowing that like, they probably didn't even read it at all. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of
1: sense. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So how many people go through this program typically?
0: Um, in my intake, there was probably, probably a couple hundred people so in the in the entire college they maybe have a student body of like two or three thousand maybe
1: okay so it, it is but something.
0: that that was yeah it's very small but that was four years ago and they've grown and now they have the second location so mm-hmm. there's I'm mm-hmm. um, there's there's a couple thousand at each location for sure
1: okay and there the program is for leadership in ministry is it just in the Hillsong Church or is it for all churches
0: um it's So it's just in Hillsong um, and the, the degrees that you get I aren't even actually like really accredited. It's just the fact that you can slap the Hillsong label on it. Mm. And so that and like that's another thing is that like I had gotten kicked out of so many church groups and churches and like religious things before because I'm LGBT. And so mm. I thought that like if I if I go through Hillsong if Hillsong accepts me, then nobody else can reject me ever again mm. because I'm able to slap a Hillsong label on it and and I'm good.
1: Yeah. God. And how heartbreaking is that, that you feel like you need to do something like that in order to be accepted oh, yeah. by yeah, That's insane. I,
0: that was the biggest, like the biggest thing through that whole year that I was in Australia was that like, and I'm strangely like God put in my life at that, precise moment the book of Job and Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that Uh, but he so yeah so Job like was this super great like pious guy and like he always did everything right and then for whatever reason his life just fell apart and he just had everything taken away from him and he didn't do anything to deserve it Mm -hmm. and so like I, I felt like that like I felt like I did everything right and just suddenly everything was ripped away from me And so like at, at, at first I was just so angry and I was like, why, why is this happening? Like, why do I have to deal with this? I've done nothing wrong. I'm just trying to do what I think is right. And, and I was trying to get Hillsong's acceptance, but I wasn't trying to get God's acceptance. And that was the biggest thing that like hit me when I realized it, it was like, I don't, I don't need Hillsong. I don't need anybody. I just need, I just need Jesus. (laughs) and I already have Jesus so
1: right absolutely so yeah so walk us through then what that like a little bit more in detail I guess so there was anger obviously when when you were kicked out and then you had to stay in Sydney for a year so Mm -hmm. was that entire year pretty angry for you was there ups and downs like what Were you going through Um, that entire, like walk us through kind of what that process was like and how you started to get through that.
0: I, I was, I don't know. I don't know if I was ever really angry at God. I think more of it was confusion and like anger, anger because of just the situation, but just more, more confusion and more trying to figure out like how to move on. Like, what is the next step? Like, okay, God brought me to Australia. God knew that I was going to get kicked out. This isn't a surprise to him or her or whatever (laughs) pronouns you prefer for God. Yeah. Like I, what am I supposed to be here for then? Because this has been on coming here has been on my heart for so long. And obviously what I wanted is not what I'm supposed to be doing. So what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? Um, And so this is really cool. At one point, we uh, we were working at this restaurant, and it was awful. It was the single worst job I've ever had. And we realized that like we would rather risk homelessness than work at this job. So we both quit. Um, and Suki, my wife, is really, really good at drawing and painting. And so she would, uh, while I was at class at this other college, she would. Um, be making paintings at home and then on my days off we would go out onto the street and sell art and Mm. I met so many different and interesting kinds of people that I have never been exposed to my entire life like we we weren't homeless ever but like people treated us like we were because Mm. to them all they saw was like these kids on the street And like, we got a lot of, we got a lot of hate thrown at us. We got a lot of love thrown at us. And it was, I I think that was probably the entire point of me going there and being there was to just experience all of these things that I never imagined that I'd be going through Mm. and, and figure out a way to grow through that and to, and to see it, like see the world for what it is.
1: Yeah. That's so interesting. I didn't know that you were selling paintings on the street of Sydney. You should write a book yeah. about that. <laughs> Tell the stories of there's, people you met.
0: There's a lot of interesting people.
1: <laughs> wow. That's incredible. It's, wow. So yeah. So Mason, you, you say that obviously with your experience that you are super passionate now about deconstructing the false theology that legalistic Christians use against queer people, um, mm-hmm. first of all, can can you kind of define what that means for anyone who isn't aware of what legalistic Christians are or what that means? Um, and then yeah, I'd love to, so, I'd love to talk about that more.
0: Um, so legalistic Christians, they read the Bible in English and they accept it for what it is. And so then they go out and say, well, they, they quote, um, what's called the clobber passages a lot. And so the clobber passages are these six verses or or groups of verses throughout the entire Bible, New and Old Testament, um, that supposedly are Um, anti-gay. The first one in Leviticus, which a lot of people, even Christians and non-Christians are very familiar with, like, (laughs) don't lie with a man or whatever. Um, And then another one is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah um, another one is when uh, Paul is talking about who is going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Um, all of these, all of these verses are mistranslated. And it's, uh, people are starting to talk about it a lot more, mm-hmm. but like you see these words in English, you see these verses in English and you read, okay, homosexuality, it's pretty clear. It's right there. That's what it says. The Bible can never be wrong, Right. Well, those words are actually people don't really know what those words actually mean because they're translating dead languages from thousands of years ago that Mm -hmm. have been translated and retranslated however many times until now. The word Mm -hmm. homosexuality wasn't put into the Bible until 1946, Mm -hmm. which is very telling of just like, how have we gotten to this point? like. In, in the last, you know, 80 years, we've created this like crusade against LGBT people that's just misfounded or unfounded.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely insane. And I, while I was at Baylor, I took three semesters of ancient Greek and... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was the hardest class I ever took. (laughs) Oh, I want to
0: learn Greek so bad. (laughs)
1: Dear Lord, it was so hard. Well, it was hard for me because I had never, I'd never learned a written or spoken language before because I learned sign language in high school. So
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I didn't know what, um, like, I can't think of the thing off the top of my head, like, um, like masculine and feminine endings and like conjugation and like all of these things that you learn when you learn Spanish in high school and things like that like
0: mm-hmm. so because it was because it was Baylor did they teach you modern Greek or did they teach you ancient Greek
1: they taught us ancient you could do modern okay. if you want okay, yeah. to um but when I decided to take Greek my original intention was to be doing a double major in religion and I needed to take oh, Greek cool. um mm-hmm. yeah and <laughs> so in in our classes part of our t- like our homework was not just to um, translate random pieces of ancient Greek. We were translating the Bible. Like we were translating yeah, right. actual verses. Cause that was the whole point of learning the language in the first place was so we could look yeah, exactly. at, the, at the scripture. And, um, and there were some very telling translations there where it's like, okay, if this word actually does mean this, but my, you know, NIV translation of the Bible is saying something completely different. That's very telling. Mm-hmm. And And one of those words is homosexuality. It's it's more closely Mm -hmm. translated um, to, there are two words that it's more closely translated to in in the ancient Greek. And it's just like general sexual perversion Mm -hmm. um, and pedophilia.
0: Yeah. And actually, you know, what's also interesting is if you look at uh, different European language translations, I can't think of specific ones off the top of my head. I think it's either the the Belgian one or like the like a a Swedish one or something. But like that word is translated to pedophile Mm -hmm. in in different languages. And so like we look at the English one and we're just so like ethnocentric about it. We're like, Mm. oh, this is the only one that matters.
1: Right. No. Exactly. And to your point, like from the original text to now has been like two thousand years of telephone. You know, mm-hmm. um, before exactly. it was even, before it was even written, it was spoken and who knows what could have been translated or mistranslated from the spoken mm-hmm. word before it was even written. Right. Now. So, um, yeah, so that's you, but you're right. A lot more people are talking about that. Now I see people posting about the, the mistranslation of the word homosexuality in the Bible on social media all the time and i'm just like yes oh yeah
0: yeah people people are are getting the word out there's um there's a really great book called God and the Gay Christian by Matthew Vines mm. um and he goes deep into it he uh he was studying religion at harvard and then okay. he dropped out because he's gay um well he didn't drop out because he's gay he like because he's gay he decided to drop out and um and just devote his like two or three years to studying these six verses mm-hmm. and to trying to figure out what they mean.
1: That's amazing. And, I'm gonna uh, link that yeah. in the show notes. For anyone who wants to go read that book, go go click the show notes. I'll link it down below. Um yeah, that's great. I I love that. Okay. So mm-hmm. one part of deconstructing the the legalistic Christians is is that piece of looking mm-hmm. at the Bible and saying like, hey the Bible might be, you know, the Word of God, but it's not inerrant. Like there are errors inside this mm-hmm. book. Um, so what does that mean then going forward, um, and and further deconstructing this kind of theology that people use?
0: Um, one thing that I've been thinking a, a lot about recently that I've been kind of hearing in uh, this sermon series that I'm following is that. Um, Jesus Jesus came to he says that he didn't come to abolish the law he came to fulfill it and when you look at all the things that Jesus talks about um he says like you've you've heard it be said don't do this but i say do this instead and and the purpose of that is when you um like the the first one that comes to my mind is like you've heard it say don't commit adultery um but what i say is don't even look at somebody else with a lustful eye because essentially you've committed adultery with that person in your mind. Mm-hmm. Jesus gets to the heart of the issue. It's not the issue itself, it's what is your motivations behind it? What, is, what, is, what are all of those choices that lead up to the moment that you sleep with somebody or that you cheat on your spouse or partner or anything? It's it's the heart of that. And so I think that's another thing that we are now beginning to understand is that like homosexuality and LGBT identities as we know them today are very new. We mm. have only had our definition of like what LGBT people are, LGBT people are for like maybe the last 150 years. Right. And that might be a stretch. And so like, obviously like those, those scriptures like are thousands of years old. They didn't have a context for that because their culture was just so different from ours. And so like, what is, what is the heart of it? It's not, it's not the, the issue isn't a man sleeping with another man for arbitrary purposes for like, for no reason. It's Mm -hmm. that like back then, you know, you had issues of like, of of pedophilia of like other other temple worship had like other for other religions had like these sexual sexually deviant things that like went on as part of their worship thing so you have to like you have to question the culture of the time and compare it to today and what is what's the difference like when you go to pride parades like Sure, there's a lot of, you know, crazy things that happen at pride parades, but like Mm -hmm. the whole purpose of like LGBT people fighting for equal rights to marriage, equal rights to having children, adopting children or anything like the the point is that we just want to live our lives. We just want to be able to love who we are attracted to and love who we love. Mm -hmm. And so the heart of it is that we just want to love. The heart of it isn't that we're, you know, going against nature or anything because the the nature can be argued in science as well. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there's I, I'm not a scientist, so I won't get super into that. But like, <laughs> you know, there's there's so many levels to it that like that legalistic Christians just don't want to get into mm-hmm. because they don't want to be told that they're wrong. Right. They and- don't want to they don't want to have to be responsible for all the, the people that they've hurt.
1: Mm, yeah, no, I think that's, it. that's incredibly true. Um, I will say the, obviously the only perspective I can truly speak to is my own. And I, I, that I'd went through that, what you just said of coming to the mm-hmm. understanding of people I had hurt in my life as a Christian, because I was pretty damn legalistic <laughs> at one point yeah. in my life. Um, I'll,
0: I'll you, admit I was too
1: yeah and we we came I, from
0: the same place
1: we did yes we did it's very <laughs> scary it's very scary that yes we're in the same place um <laughs> but i mean something i'm very ashamed of um but i mean it was part of it's part of what made me who i am but i when i graduated high school knowing that i was going to baylor university a christian college for a theater degree um i got so many questions from people in my church and without, um, but who were still very much Christian, asking me like, you know, how does that work? How can you be a Christian and a theater person? Like, that doesn't make sense. What? And yeah, I know. And I was just kind of like, well, I guess, I guess, you know, I, maybe I'm supposed to go and help convert the gay people. <laughs>
0: Oh no, you said
1: that? I did. I did. I said that. Oh. And I, because, because Mason, I, I was so sheltered and I didn't, I, I knew people who were gay, like knowing mm-hmm. now what I know of them, obviously, like knowing you, but like I didn't know that you were gay or that people I knew were gay when I knew mm-hmm. you. So I had no experience with like understanding gay people in my entire life. I'd been told that it was wrong. So like,
0: oh yeah.
1: I, I truly, like, I convinced myself that that's what I was going to Baylor to do. That I was going to Baylor to be in the theater program to help the, save the gays. And you would I, have
0: had a lot of work to do in theater. Oh my
1: God. <laughs> 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 it was so that's funny. where we go, man. <laughs> I, know. I know. I walked in and I realized that, like, everybody was gay. And I was like, what? the hell do I think I'm supposed to do with this
0: (laughs) so how how is the how is the culture at Baylor towards LGBT people
1: the theater department is completely like very open there's no
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um there there's no holds barred when it comes to the LGBT community um in Baylor theater Mm -hmm. but it hasn't always been that way Um, when I was there there was still for, for people who were gay or lesbian or bisexual, their acceptance was across the board for them, but trans people were still kind, like there was still a, a strange wave in, in the department when it came to people who were trans. Cause we had a couple of students mm. who were transitioning uh, during their time in the Baylor theater department and ended up leaving the Baylor theater department because they didn't feel like they were truly accepted. Um, which breaks my heart to say and i but to my point that i was making earlier like i was one of those people cuz i didn't i didn't know what to do i didn't know what it all meant i i was very uncultured very uneducated mm-hmm. and just incredibly ignorant and i was never i don't think i was ever rude but i don't know if i was and
0: yeah
1: um and so to your to the point that you made earlier like the reason i say all this is because i had to come to terms with Any like that, I might have hurt people, you know, with with the way that I perceived the LGBT community, with the way I acted towards the LGBT community, and it's like obviously that's hard to come to terms with. But I've been I've been making strides every day to make sure I never do that again. Like, there's no reason why anyone should be unloved, and there's no Mm -hmm. reason why anyone should not be accepted, ever. Period. Um, Yeah. So. But yeah, I definitely think that a lot of Christian people don't want to come to terms with the responsibility that, or not the responsibility, but they don't want to be responsible for, like you said, the people that they've hurt with their actions and with their words, because it's hard, Mm -hmm. but necessary because like, yes,
0: I, I've had a lot of hard conversations with, uh, mm -hmm. pastors and spiritual leaders and, I I think about them sometimes now and I, and I wonder where they're at. I wonder if they've, if they've changed because Mm. like, I mean, I, I didn't know a single gay person until high school probably. Mm. And I didn't know a trans person until my first trans friend came out Mm. in high school. And, and like, you know, growing up in like this Southern Baptist culture is just like, you're told you're told that gay people go to hell. I was right. terrified of going to hell as like an eight-year-old child, which like is 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 so messed up. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> I was so scared. And and so that's why, like, that's why I didn't come out until until I had, had met other gay people, is because mm-hmm. like I was just so I, I thought that I was choosing to be straight. Honestly, I believed for so long that homosexuality was a choice because I knew that I was choosing to be straight. Hmm. And the truth was I, I, I'm not choosing to be straight. (laughs) The truth is I am gay and, and I'm, you know, choosing to date people that I don't really like. And Mm -hmm. that's, it's, it's so much better to be honest and truthful, sorry, honest and truthful and authentic than it is to live a lie.
1: Absolutely. And that
0: was, that was a big A big moment in me coming out. Mm
1: -hmm. Did you experience any fallout from people in your life? What? Sorry,
0: my internet's weird.
1: Oh, no, you're fine. Um, Did you experience any fallout (laughs) with people in your life when when you decided to come out?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, uh, My parents took it a little weird uh, at the beginning. I, I realize now that it was less of them not accepting homosexuality like as a principal, but it was more like they were afraid for my safety, mm-hmm. um, because they knew that like where we were in the time that we were in, it was dangerous, like it, or it could be dangerous for me yeah. to be out and proud and loud, and mm-hmm. they didn't want me getting hurt, uh, which mm-hmm. I misinterpreted as a teenager, and of so course. I was kind of a jerk to them. But sure. you know, we're we're better now, um, because I understand that now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had my, I have a very, very conservative aunt and uh, she took me to, to brunch one morning and just was like pleading with me that like, that I need to be celibate. And I was like, no.
1: <laughs> Sorry, auntie. It's not going to happen.
0: It was, yeah, <laughs> it was, a it was kind of awkward, but like, That's I, I, I don't see her very often now, not because of that, but just because like, Uh, we were never super close, like with her side of the family, Mm -hmm. like to begin with, like not for any bad reason, but like we just didn't see them very often, and so (laughs) like it's just sort of still like that.
1: Yeah, that's insane.
0: But that was it. Was kind of funny. Yeah, Um,
1: definitely.
0: I I don't think that I ever really lost friends because of it, because I think the friends that I had were always very accepting and supporting. Mm And uh, when I came out as trans a couple of years ago, I got so many comments and messages of, of love and support. I was overwhelmed by how accepted I was.
1: I was so excited for you. I saw that and was just like, I literally was like, fuck yeah, let's go. I was so, I was so excited.
0: I don't think a lot of people were surprised.
1: <laughs> no, that's true. I think anybody who knew you at that point kind of knew that yeah, they were that, like, that, that was part of you. <laughs>
0: you know what you'll think this is hilarious when I came out as gay uh in high school I told uh Jake Baker one of yeah. our also super old good friends I told Jake, Jake Baker and his response was did you just find out
1: <laughs> it's <like a> <laughs> he was like to say. he was like
0: yeah I know <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh yep that makes sense for him that completely makes
0: sense best response I've ever gotten
1: Absolutely, it's like obviously <laughs> where have you been <laughs> that's funny okay so what I would what I want to know now is how were you able to keep such a strong faith after experiencing all of that the things that you experienced like how how did you do that because I know a lot <laughs> of people who who give up on their faith or, change or like not not necessarily change it but either like dwindle it down to the point where it's basically nothing like how do you how did you go through that process and how did you keep it so
0: strong um I very quickly was able to separate God from the church um because I I realized very early on that um all of the all of the bad things that I had been told or was taught or were said to me, all, all the, all the bad ways in which I was treated, I was treated that way by people, not by God. Mm-hmm. What I, what I heard from God and what I understood from God is that I was carefully and wonderfully made. I was made on purpose. God had a plan for my life. And this is part of that plan. Mm-hmm. I know that I, I am not choosing this. I know that I was born this way. Um, <laughs> I, I, know, I know that this is a part of me that I, that I can't ignore anymore. And this is, I, I was literally, the moment that I decided to accept my LGBT status um, was I was literally trying to pray the gay away. Like I was having a panic attack and just like freaking out because I, I didn't want to go to hell. Like I I was just that terrified of it. Even when I was 15, when I, when I came out as gay. yeah. And so I was, I was just like in this just super intense prayer mode and I just felt God put a hand on me and just say, stop. Like I created you. I love you. You are trying to, reject the way that I made you on purpose. And you just need to stop. You just need to love yourself because I love you. I died for you. I, I, I gave you a purpose. And so it was that moment that I, that I actually separated God from people. And I was like, okay, well, God's telling me one thing and people are telling me another thing. Who am I going to listen to? Right. I'm going to listen to God. So. Then it was just like, okay, so I know that churches don't like LGBT people right now. I need to find a safe place for me in a, in a place that accepts me the way that God accepts me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I, that became my priority in, in trying to find communities and and places to go. And, uh, I was wrong a lot of the times, but if if I'm at a place that doesn't accept me, then I don't want to be there in the first, I I don't want to be there at all. So as painful as it can be, sometimes it's, it's better for me. And that's another thing that like helped me through all all the Hillsong thing was because like, they're not going to accept me. So why would I even want to be there?
1: Right. Yeah. It's not worth your time or your energy. Exactly. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're currently in leadership at the historic church of Dallas. Mm-hmm. how did you how did you find yourself there
0: so um the senior pastor uh of historic is actually my youth pastor from high school and he was hey. the pastor that wrote my recommendation letter um oh, wow. and so he uh he was the youth pastor at Preston Trail in Frisco mm-hmm. um and he wa- I think it was either right before or while I was in Sydney um, he started having issues with, uh, the leadership there. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know the exact details, but like he, uh, th- they decided that they were going to take him out of a speaking role. And so they moved him to be like the social media pastor or something like that. So he wasn't preaching anymore and he was getting really, really restless. And so he decided to just leave and start his own church.
1: What year was that?
0: You know- uh, <sighs> I think he left in 20, I think he left while I was still there. So 2016, 2017, and he started historic, uh, maybe 17
1: or 18. Okay. Cause I, and I then did, I did an internship, a random internship over the summer of
0: 2014. Yeah, I remember uh, that.
1: At, at Preston trail. And yeah. so I was, as you as you were saying this, it kind of like rebooted those memories in the back of my brain that I had kind of, mm-hmm uh, pushed back. And I was like, Oh yeah, I, th- I think I remember that like starting to happen while I was there, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> so I'm sorry, continue. He started. His own yeah. Church.
0: So yeah. So he left and started his own church and, um, uh, he, the, the mission of his church is just so cool. His, their mission statement is love like Jesus over and over again. Mm-hmm. So they, um, they are unconditionally inclusive. Anybody. They, they want anybody and everybody there. And when they say all are welcome, they actually mean it, which is so mm-hmm. refreshing because a lot of churches <laughs> say all are welcome, but they don't really mean it. Yeah. Um, and so he uh, he sold his house in Prosper. He was living in mm-hmm. uh, Prosper or like North Frisco, which is yeah. super rich, ritzy area. Mm-hmm. He sold mm-hmm. his house and moved to South Oak Cliff, which is like polar opposite. so they him and his wife and they have a baby now uh they live in South Oak Cliff yeah they live in South Oak Cliff um and they do historic um and so they are they were really small pre-pandemic they would have maybe like 20 30 40 ish people come to their Mm -hmm. services every week um but their main purpose was to do like service work so they have a lot of um strategic partners for like different charities in the area Um, and so a lot of their like a lot of the purpose of that church was to do like outreach stuff to like Mm -hmm. all of the the like impoverished areas in or impoverished neighborhoods in that area to a lot of like marginalized groups Um, there he's doing a lot of like really awesome social justice work down there Hmm. Um, and that's one thing that he just wasn't able to do at Preston Trail because Preston Trail is like this rich white church.
1: And (laughs) they don't want to describe it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the best way to describe a lot of churches in Frisco, honestly. Well,
1: that's how yeah, I describe (laughs) Stonebriar the exact same
0: way. So Oh, you went to Stonebriar
1: Yes, I did. Oh gosh. Oh yes. (laughs) That's a mess. Oh yes. My
0: my mom, my mom, my mom actually teaches at the preschool there.
1: Mm. Well, at least the preschool babies are not problematic yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, she, she does a good job. She likes it there. Um, That's great. That's good. Uh, but yeah, so historic. Um, so he brought me onto the leadership team in the summer of 2019. Um, mm-hmm. The idea was to start like uh, little like micro spots, like mm-hmm. locations in like other places around the country. Um, and so I was going to start one in my area because I live in a pretty rough neighborhood too. Like it's, mm. it's probably similar to South Oak Cliff. Um, and so I, I was going to be doing that. And so we had started having meetings. Uh, a couple of people were coming. It wasn't really taken off. Uh, but I had a lot of big ideas mm. and then the funniest thing happened. Oh, what could
1: have possibly happened? <sighs>
0: uh, COVID-19 happened. (laughs) Um, and so all, all the things that I was doing just kind of like got put on hold. Um, but historic Dallas blew up because Mm -hmm. they were already doing some, some, or they were setting themselves up to like do a lot of online stuff. And Mm -hmm. so then right around the time, uh, when everything shut down was when they had like finalized all of their online stuff. And so they, super thrived uh online and i in in the meetings um he's he said that like there's thousands of people that watch um that watch the services online either facebook live or uh he's on a streaming service uh stream now Mm. and like there's a couple other places that it can be accessed from but like thousands of people are are watching it online and wow. like it. A lot of church, tr- a lot of churches suffered through the pandemic, but like mm-hmm. historic has really thrived, and they're doing some awesome work. And I, I wish that I, I live in Massachusetts right now, but I wish that I could be there full time, <laughs> helping them out like on the ground. But I, I am on the leadership team. I go to the meetings. Um, mm-hmm. We're working on a couple of things, and uh, I, I can't really talk about. But
1: sure, no, that's okay. <laughs> uh, but that's but so cool. it, it
0: is. It's a great church um, and yeah. because because they have like all their stuff is online still they haven't opened back up like in person mm-hmm. um, it's a great it's a great thing to at least be like paying attention to like if somebody doesn't have a church community where they are,
1: mm-hmm. historic is there mm-hmm. yeah that's that's the beauty of the internet that mm-hmm. it when used correctly it can connect people who really need to be connected. oh um, yeah which I think is beautiful. Um, I also think it's beautiful that historic is so, first of all, actually inclusive. Um, mm-hmm. cause I, I think that's a precedent that shouldn't need to be set, but it does. And, yeah, um, and I think it's beautiful that they are truly that, um, how does it feel to be on leadership for a church when you were told back at Hillsong that that was impossible for you?
0: um it feels great uh it feels <laughs> uh, it feels like all of because it wasn't just Hillsong it, it's been so many different churches that I've mm. tried to that I've tried to put myself in that I've tried to be part of that just told me no and shut the door in my face mm. and for a church to actually mean it when they say that I have a seat at the table is I I wish that more people had that. I wish that everybody had that. Mm -hmm. I wish that everybody felt like they actually were cared for.
1: Yeah.
0: And and to know that I that I am, to know that I'm part of this thing that I've always wanted to be a part of it it just feels like I belong. And there's no there's no similar feeling to just Mm -hmm. knowing that you belong somewhere.
1: Absolutely. That's so beautiful. That's incredible, Mason. Your story is so cool. (laughs) Like, I seriously, I knew that you had an incredible journey, um, just from what I know of you. But I didn't like all of these small things, like Hillsong and the historic. Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's truly inspiring, and I think that a lot of people who are listening to this will feel like they're not alone if they are part of the LGBT community Mm -hmm. um and they've been rejected by churches or if they're uncertain in their faith like your testimony is that you're you're loved no matter what um and i i think that's absolutely beautiful it's making me emotional (laughs) 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 i'm getting a little emotional about it Um, it's
0: it's, taken a lot to get here
1: (laughs) absolutely and you're so strong and it's, it's been a ride yeah I think that your, your example of steadfastness and, um, and just faith that you're held um, by God and you're loved by God. And no matter what the stupid world throws at you, it's not about the world. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it, it's just, um, yeah it's beautiful. That's all I can say. Yeah, It's just gorgeous. And
0: I, I just want everybody to know that like everybody who has been so hurt by the church and by toxic theology and by people who are supposed to love them. Like I, I wish that I could just tell everybody that, that God loves you and not, not have it be taken in a weird way, you know, because mm-hmm. like a lot of people will be like, God loves you. But like, there's, there's so much behind that. Mm-hmm. And there's so much that like needs to be unpacked, and like, I just I just want to love everybody, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: you should all just I just love, man.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I just I just wish that like, I wish that people weren't so hurt, and I wish that I could fix it all, and I wish that I could tell everybody that. Yeah, well, it's, I think it's you're not, well on your way. Yeah, I'm working on it.
1: (laughs) Truly, though, I I love that. Again, I love that you're doing work with Historic Dallas to to make sure that people know that Um, coming on this podcast and telling your story is going to help people know that. Um, And I'm really just really happy that you came and told your story today. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me.
1: Of course, oh <laughs> there's no letting, <laughs> you came, you showed up to my Zoom. <laughs> yeah.